Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity. We do pray, Lord, that you give us a spirit of illumination, revelation, and that we'd be able to understand and receive what you have for us, and that we'd really be able to become a powerfully, a powerful praying people because we understand really why and how to do it. Pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, there was this guy. And this guy did a lot of fasting, but he liked to also just kind of go barefoot during this time of fasting, so he had very calloused feet. And even though he fasted primarily for spiritual reasons, he became very physically weak and fragile. And because of fasting, he also had bad breath, also known as halitosis. So to sum it up, you could say that he was a super callous, fragile, mystic, hex by halitosis. <laughs> All right, make a note. Don't use that one again. Okay. Well, today we're talking about prayer and fasting. And what is the biblical significance of fasting? Does fasting actually release additional power when added to our prayer life. Well, let's see what the disciples learned about the power of fasting and what we can learn. Let's start by seeing how the disciples started. In Mark chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Mark 3, 14 and 15 says, And he, talking about Jesus, appointed 12, 12 disciples, so that they would be with him, and that he would send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out the demons. So notice how they started off in Mark chapter 3. Now let's go to Mark chapter 6. Let's fast forward. Mark chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. They went out and preached that men should repent, and they were casting out many demons and were anointing with oil many sick people and healing them. So they started out preaching, casting out demons, and healing the sick. In fact, they were experiencing so much victory that they actually got a little bit cocky about it at one point. Luke chapter 10, verse 17, says the 70, the 70 disciples Jesus sent out, returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus had to straighten them out a little bit at this point and say, basically, don't get excited about that, but get excited about the fact that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So anyway, they are flying high. I mean, they are basically, the disciples are having like an undefeated season all the way till we get to Mark chapter 9. And now we see something different happening. Now, the background to Mark 9 is the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus went up this mount, and he only took Peter, James, and John, three of the 12 disciples, with him. And Jesus was transfigured in glory and had a meeting with Moses and Elijah, who appeared also in glory, to give Jesus some instruction about what he's about to encounter. And Peter, James, and John got to see it, and they're just amazed and blown away. Well, after that happened, Jesus came back down the mountain with Peter, James, and John, and the other nine disciples are down there with a crowd gathering around them. 
So Jesus wants to see what's going on. Let's pick it up. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. As they approached the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. The whole crowd was very surprised to see Jesus and ran to welcome him. And he, Jesus, asked the scribes, what are you arguing about with them? A man in the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you. He has a spirit that won't let him talk. Whenever it brings on a seizure, it throws him to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes stiff. So I asked her disciples to drive the spirit out, but they didn't have the power. Do you hear that? Disciples didn't have the power to cast out this demon. Now, they fully, I believe, expected that they would have the power to cast out this demon because that's what they were doing all the way up to Mark chapter 9. They had been successful casting out demons up till Mark chapter 9. But when they get to Mark chapter 9, they can't cast out this demon. They didn't have the power. So they experienced their first defeat. And by the way, they're somewhat disillusioned by this. Mark 9, verse 19, Jesus said to them, he says this to the whole gathering, you unbelieving generation, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him to me, bring the boy to me. So Jesus is pretty put out about the whole thing. He speaks to the crowd and the disciples and points out that their problem is unbelief. By the way, the cause of most spiritual failure is unbelief. Mark 9, verse 20. So they brought the boy to him. When the spirit, this demon in the boy, saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell on the ground and kept rolling around and foaming at the mouth. Then Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? He said, since he was a child. The spirit has thrown him into the fire often and into water to destroy, destroy him. But if you are able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you are able, everything is possible for the person who believes. So Jesus jumps on the word if. Why? Because the question was not whether or not Jesus had the power to heal the boy. He did. He could. Easily. The question was whether or not the father had the faith to believe that Jesus could heal the boy. Jesus says everything is possible for the person who believes. Verse 24, with tears flowing, the child's father at once cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. Verse 25, when Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying, you deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit screamed, shook the child violently and came out. The boy was like a corpse and many said that he was dead, but Jesus took his hand and helped him up 
and he stood up. So now Jesus does with ease what the disciples could not do with all their efforts. He casts the demon out without any trouble at all. So the disciples now are a bit disillusioned, somewhat feel defeated, I think probably a bit embarrassed. And they can't wait to get with Jesus in a private setting to ask him what in the world happened back there. So verse 28, when Jesus came home, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? Why did we fail? We did the same thing we did before, but this time it didn't work. Why do we fail this time? And Jesus answers with a simple statement. Mark 9, 29, he told them, this kind come out only by prayer and fasting. So Jesus answers the disciples with one simple statement. But in the statement, there is much to learn. There's much to learn for the disciples, and there's much to learn for us. As Grace Community Church, we're 33 years old as a church. Uh, this next, in, in two weeks, actually. And for these 33 years, we have seen the power of the Lord do amazing things in us as a church and through us as a church into our community and around the world. But right now, we are facing some challenges, challenges that we're not seeing the same kind of success we long to see. Let me give you some examples. Many of you know that we have been working in several different countries around the world, several unreached parts of the world, and we've seen dramatic success. People from our church have gone to unreached people groups, and there are now believers in unreached people groups, and they now have the Word of God in their heart language, and there are churches rising up in places where for thousands of years there was never a church. We had seen victory after victory around the world, and we've seen victory after victory in our community. But right now, in fact, most countries in the world are closed, closed to any gospel preaching men and women coming in, closed because of COVID, closed because of politics. But I believe that we can still see dramatic victories. I believe we can see God break through, but I think it's going to take a level of prayer and fasting that we have not yet done. Right now, the most, most unreached demographic in America is the demographic of the 20-somethings, or 18 to 30 years of age in America. People in that demographic, 18 to 30 in America, are staying away from Christ and his church in unprecedented numbers and percentages in the history of America. And it's going to take more than just changing style or changing a method or a tactic. I believe it's going to take a level of prayer and fasting that we have not yet done. The city of Arlington is really dramatically changed as a city 
right now, the city of Arlington is one of the most international cities in the world. The demographic of the city is extremely diverse. And if we're going to make a dramatic impact on this city in the days to come, we're going to have to cross through many, many more ethnic and religious and socioeconomic region, you know, barriers if we're going to see the kinds of success we want to see. But we need to understand there are also spiritual strongholds that have got to be broken to get in and to really see a dramatic change. I believe it's going to take a level of prayer and fasting that we have not yet done. See, I think our situation is very similar to the situation the disciples found themselves in in Mark chapter 9. We've had our tremendous victories, but right now we are facing some challenges in our community, in our nation, and in the nations that will not be easily overcome. Jesus says this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. I want us to break down that one statement and see if we can really see what we need to be able to do to see the kind of victories we all long to see. See, the Lord wanted the disciples to understand that there is a difference between, between the kind of demons they were dealing with before and this kind, the one they're dealing with now. See, there are different kinds of demons. If you study the scriptures, you learn that a third of the angels rebelled, joined Lucifer in an attempted coup on the throne of God. Isaiah chapter 14, Ezekiel chapter 28 tell this story. And a third of the angels were cast down to the earth, and they're cast down in darkness. They are evil, but they did not lose their rank or their power. They just became evil in it. And there's a hierarchy in the angelic realm. There are different classes of angels, different ranks, different powers. There's more than just seraphim and cherubim. There's all kinds of different classes. In fact, I think Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 12, even captures a bit of the hierarchy. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. Here's the hierarchy. Against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. See, there is a spiritual hierarchy. There are different classes of angels with different powers. And when, there was, when they were, that third of the angels were cast down to the earth, that are now demons, they became dark and they became evil in their sin, but they did not lose their power. So the disciples are now facing a different kind than they faced before. One with greater power than anyone that, any of they had faced before. And by the way, I think right now, many of you in this room, many of you online are facing a different kind than you faced before. I think we as a church are facing some different kinds than we faced before. You know, some of the places that, that we're trying to reach in the world right now are some of the most difficult places there are to reach. In fact, if those places could have been reached with normal methods, they would have already been reached. But past methods are not going to work like they worked 60 years ago. 
or 100 years ago. There is a kind of demonic stronghold that can only be broken with a level of prayer and fasting that we haven't yet done. And by the way, you know, America has changed dramatically. Some of you that are younger haven't really noticed as much change as those of us in this room who are older and seen such dramatic change in our lifetime. But you know, the church, the methods we could use 40 years ago don't work the same today because it's not the same country today. There is a kind of demonic stronghold that we're dealing with today that can only be broken by a level of prayer and fasting that we haven't done yet. Let me give you an illustration. Let's say you're walking along on the road and you see a man laying down on the road. You're not sure if, if he's asleep or, 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 or what, but you walk up to him and you notice as you walk up to him, you don't wake him up. You do see that he's unconscious. He's alive, but he's unconscious. Now you've got to decide, you know, is he unconscious because he just took a long walk and got very tired and decided to lay down and go to sleep? If so, then all you've got to do is wake him up and say, this probably isn't a good place for a nap. Or is he unconscious because he has a poison in him, some drug or something he's taken inside himself? See, if he's unconscious simply because he's tired, then all you've got to do is arouse him. Say, wake up. What are you doing in the road? You're going to get run over. And he goes, oh, wow, thank you. He's up. But if he's got a poison in him, you can't just arouse him to get up. You're going to have to take measures to get the poison out of him out of his system. See, the difficulty in our society is that some 60 or 100 years ago, the men and women in America were simply simply apathetic. They were more or less spiritually asleep. And they didn't really deny the general truths of Christianity 60 to 100 years ago. Not at large, they didn't. They pretty much assumed it. They just weren't practicing it. So all you had to do 60 to 100 years ago is arouse them out of their spiritual slumber. And all that normally took was some evangelistic crusade. And that brought revival in cities around America. But things have changed dramatically in our society. The problem today isn't just apathy. It isn't just that people aren't spiritually interested or concerned, but down deep they believe the truth. That's not what's going on today. We have in our society today at large a total lack of belief in the truth of God and the Bible and salvation through Jesus Christ. Our society has become a non-moral society. You know the proof of that? You can watch the majority of movies and TV programs and there is no morality to it. None. By the way, if you... If you were to take a survey or a poll, one was done by George Barna in his survey, and ask Americans today, would you check the box that you identify as Christian? Do you know that there's still some 60% that would check that box in America? But if you change the question, you change the question like Barna did in his survey and word it like this, Would you say that your faith is very important in your life, that you believe you have a responsibility to witness to non-Christians, 
Do you acknowledge the existence of a real Satan? Do you contend that eternal salvation is possible only through God's grace and not good works? Do you believe that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life on earth? And would you describe God as all-knowing, all-powerful, perfect deity who created the universe and still rules it today? What percentage of Americans said yes to that? Eight. Eight percent of Americans could say yes to that. Our society has changed dramatically. Our terminology no longer means a lot to a lot of people. Most people are in a position of, of plenty. They want their comfort. They want, they want uh, pleasure. But they're not primarily concerned about spiritual things. So I think our society is a little bit like that boy in Mark chapter 9. And I think the church is a little bit like the disciples in Mark chapter 9. We've had great success in the past, but something has changed. What the church faced in the past and had success with in the past is not the same as it is today. We're dealing with a different challenge, a different situation, a different kind, different kind. And if we don't acknowledge that, we're not going to be able to make the proper adjustments so we can see the victories that we need to see. What we're dealing with in our country today is a different kind. What we're dealing with in the nations is a different kind, is a different situation. This kind is different than the kind we dealt with before. So what do we do about it? Jesus said this kind can come out only, only, only by prayer and fasting. That's the only way to dislodge this kind. The answer is not a better technique. The answer is not another seminar. The answer is not more Christian TV and more Christian radio. The answer is not bigger and better church buildings. The answer is not more Bible study. The answer is not better, better and bigger organizations and better communication. All that worked for the other kind. They all have their place. But this kind, there is a kind that only comes out by prayer and fasting. You know, we're confronted with something that is too deep for methods. Too deep for methods to get rid of. We, we, have, got, we have to have something that goes beneath the evil power and shatters it and breaks it loose. We need a power that can enter into the souls of men and women and break them and smash them and humble them so they will become new. We need a power that can dislodge this kind. And Jesus says this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. So what is fasting? Fasting, according to the Bible, very simply means voluntarily you eliminate your food intake for a specific time for a specific purpose. Now, there's all kinds of people on a way in this kind of fast, that kind of fast. But simply put, fasting means you don't eat food. Fasting gave you more time for prayer so you could focus on prayer. You didn't spend time making meals and eating meals and visiting. You spent time in prayer. But also fasting demonstrates you have a deep desire about something before God. There is an urgency 
I mean, you are showing God you mean business in this. You're serious about this. God sees you paying a personal price and making a sacrifice, and he, he honors that kind of dedication and faith in our prayers. Fasting releases God's supernatural power in a way when you pray that you don't have the same power without it when you pray. I saw this dramatically many years ago. A woman brought her troubled seven-year-old son to a, a prayer meeting we had because he kept manifesting demons at home, and he hadn't spoken. He became mute, and he hadn't spoken in about a year, hadn't spoken a word, and, 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 every, and she brought him to the prayer meeting, and during the prayer meeting, as we're singing praise songs, he starts manifesting demons, and a prayer meeting, he attacks me physically, kicking and scratching. For three hours, we tried to cast out this obvious demon, and we were unable to. And so uh, there, was this, there was this conference in town on spiritual warfare, and supposedly we had experts about spiritual warfare from different parts of the country there teaching and leading the conference. I thought, this is a great time for me to learn. This is like 30 years ago I, for to learn about spiritual warfare because I couldn't get the demon out. So I had the mother bring the boy. We bring the boy to this conference. They gather leaders around, and they try to cast out the demon, and they can't get the demon out. And I'm leaving, as I'm leaving, the Spirit of the Lord says in my heart, you know what to do. And I didn't know what to do. I need to fast and pray, cast this demon out, because this kind is different. And so I told the mother, I said, give me four days. So I fasted and prayed for four days, and then she brought her son, the same boy who attacked me earlier, she brought him to uh, my office, and as soon as she got in the door of the office, he, he released her hand, and he walks over to me. He climbs up on my lap. He lays his head on my chest. And I simply whisper in Jesus' name, come out. And he shook, and he began to speak. Amen. Now, we came across an encounter with the daughter of, of the satanic high priest of Fort Worth. And she was dedicated to Satan as a child. And she came to a meeting that we had and started manifesting demons. And we brought some of our leaders back in a room for three hours. We tried to cast a demon out. We could. And these demons, they knew things about me that this woman could not have known. And again, it was clear. I, you know, the Lord just spoke in my heart again. You know what to do. So for fast and pray for about four days, came back in just one simple sentence. No hype. Just come out in Jesus' name. And all the, the demons, and there were a lot of them, came out. And now for the first time, she's got tears coming down her cheek, and I'm speaking to the person now. Last time I was in Miramar, there was a, I was, as I was leaving the pastor's conference, on my way to the airport, Pastor T said, I, I want you to, I need to make a couple stops. I want you to pray for somebody. We went by another pastor's home in a village. He had a four-year-old son. His four-year-old son, his four years old, going on five, had not uttered a syllable his whole life. And he wanted me to pray for him. I said, I'll pray for him. And I prayed for him, and nothing, nothing happened as I prayed. And I said, I'm on the, i got to catch a plane in two hours. And I said to the pastor, fast and pray. You and your wife, fast and pray for the next four days and lay hands on him. I believe he'll start speaking. And so after I got back, about a week later, I called 
I mean, I emailed Pastor T, and I said, would you please call that pastor? I'm, I'm, I want to know how his son is doing. He calls the pastor, and the pastor says, no change in my son. And Pastor C said, did you do what Pastor Gary asked you to do, pray and fast for four days? He said, no. He said, well, do it. So he and his wife prayed and fasted for the next four days. They laid hands on their son, and their son started speaking. Fasting releases God's supernatural and power when it's connected with prayer in a way that just prayer alone doesn't. When you came in, you received this booklet on fasting, a fasting guide. If you didn't get one when you came in, please make sure you get one on the way out because I'm not going to go through a lot of detail on fasting, on the practicalities of it. Dr. Bill Bright has done a great work with this. I kind of condense his materials a little bit for you here. But it would be very helpful when you, all the questions I've heard of people ask over the years about fasting, this, this booklet will answer the questions that you have. But here's what I'm calling us to do as a congregation. I'm calling all of us, all of us here, all of us online, to find one 24-hour period this week that you will fast. No food, only water. If you have health issues, talk to your doctor. But otherwise, a 24-hour period where you say, I'm going to dedicate that period of, of, to prayer and fasting. And I'm asking you also, calling you also to fast screen time during that 24 hours. I heard some ouches. Screen time, I mean no social media, no television, no video games, no entertainment, no cable news. If you have to have screen time for your job, that's the only exception. No screen time. 24 hours of just focused prayer and fasting. And I'm asking all of us to commit to doing that. In fact, here's what I want you to do. I want everyone to get out your cell phone. Go ahead. Per service, I had to say this twice. So. Get out your cell phone. I see some movement. Everybody, if you don't have one, pay attention. Get your cell phone. I want you to text somebody. The 24-hour period you're going to fast this week, a day. Test, just text them. Say, this is when I'm going to do it. A little support, a little accountability. I want you to do it with me. Go ahead and text somebody. Thumbs ought to be moving. Text somebody when you're going to do it. Because we, we really need to see an infusion of spiritual power in our community. I tell you what, this country's gone crazy. And we've got to see some power. We've got to see an infusion of spiritual power in our communities and, we, and in the nations. We've got nations closed that we've got to see doors open. I mean, there's an urgency here, guys, and we need all hands on deck. I know some of you have fasting as part of your spiritual discipline of your life. Praise God for that. I'm asking everyone to do this 24-hour period because I'm going to be asking us to go further in this, in this in the days to come. And it's time for us to exercise your fasting muscle. Because, you know, you're not going to be able to do two days or three days if you can't do one. So I'm asking all of us, not just a handful of intercessors who fast and pray. I'm talking about Grace Community Church. Raising the level of water level on a dam. That's the pressure you see breakthroughs. Dams burst open. I'm talking about raising the prayer level with fasting. Where we see a power increase that we can see an infusion of power to bring about breakthroughs. So I'm asking you to join me doing that this week, a 24-hour period. You can do this. 
And I believe this is the beginning of us beginning to see more breakthroughs. I do believe with all my heart the best days of Grace Community Church are ahead of us, not behind us. I don't want to talk about the good old days. I want to talk about, hey, what is God doing this week and next week and the weeks to come? And so I am calling us to do this for 24 hours, include screen time fasting. And if you're willing to do that, I want to pray for you. So go ahead and stand up. I want to pray for you. I'm willing to do that. Stand up. Those of you online, in your living room, in your bedroom, put the pancakes aside. Stand up. Let's pray. Father, we pray for the grace to do this and to do it well. Father, we pray that you would make us, Lord, a, a powerful people of God, more than we've ever, ever experienced. Lord, I pray you take us to a place there isn't any more kind that we can't cast out. Lord, grow us up in this. Strengthen us in this. And Lord, we pray that we find ourselves this week as we commit to praying to fast and drawing close to you, experiencing more intimacy with you than ever, and hungering for more, hungering for more, of feasting on you while we're fasting from food and fasting from screen. And Lord, we pray that you would enable us to see breakthrough after breakthrough, Lord, in the days to come, personally and corporately, nationally and internationally. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And if you amen that prayer, say it loud. Amen. 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 God bless you. You're dismissed. But if you're new here, I'd love to meet you personally over here in this welcome corner. Let me encourage you to stay socially distanced as you dismiss to your outside. There's Connection Coffee out there. and Gather out there. God bless you. Have a great day. If you haven't taken a new members class, 5 o'clock today. <laughs>